Alleluia, Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. Alleluia. Now at the point that our gospel lesson begins, Jesus had already risen from the dead, leaving sin, death, and the power of the devil in his grave. At the point of our gospel lesson, at the point that it begins, there was nothing to be afraid of. Jesus was alive. This meant that everything that Jesus had said was true. Jesus did willingly lay down his life, and Jesus did willingly pick it up again. And John, our gospel writer, he was there when Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And at this point, the point of our gospel lesson, this statement was already proven to be true. The disciples were living in an era, living in a time when the grave had been open and it could not stop life from happening. They were living in the same era that you and I live in. The disciples were living on that first day when the church could confess with confidence, I believe in the resurrection of the body. I believe in the life everlasting, all that flows from the forgiveness of sins. Now some of the people who knew the apostles, had already seen Jesus and were already confessing this hope. We heard last week about the women who had met Jesus. And Peter and John did confirm, as they had said, that he was not in the grave. The reality that they were living in was in the reality of the resurrection. There should be nothing to be afraid of. There should be no gloom. There should be no weariness. There should be no sadness. Yet, at the very beginning of our gospel lesson, we see all of those things. The women told the disciples that Jesus was going to meet with them, but... They did not really believe those women. If they did, they would have been excited. Did they dare to hope that what the women told them was true? It seemed like too much to hope for. So instead of celebrating that Jesus had risen from the dead, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Did you catch that? Where were the disciples on that first Easter day? They were quarantining. That's right. And did you catch the number? It was a group of ten. It was a group of ten per the governor's orders. And did you catch, uh, I cracked myself up. <laughs> did, 
Did you catch the feeling in that room on that first Easter evening? It was fear. Fear. The disciples were afraid of the people that crucified Jesus. They were not hoping in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, nor the life everlasting. That was the furthest, furthest thing from their minds. The disciples were afraid of losing the life that they had right now. They were afraid of the people who had crucified Jesus. They were afraid of suffering the same fate of Jesus. You know something else? Those guys on that night were filled with guilt. They deserted Jesus when he needed them most. They fled when they saw the soldiers lock Jesus up. Peter even denied Jesus. There was lots of guilt that night. The disciples were also angry. I think they were angry at Judas. They probably blamed themselves that they didn't stop Judas back when they saw him start his thievery. On top of all this, the disciples didn't know what their next move for survival would be. They had no checks coming in the mail. Here they were locked inside of the room that no doubt was smaller than our homes. And like us, they sat and worried about the past, about the present, and they worried about the future. I've talked with a lot of people about what is going on in our world, in our country, in our state. Some of us are upbeat, or at least act like it. Some of us are afraid. Some that I have talked to have lost their incomes. And they are afraid of how they are going to support their family with 20 more million people in the, in the U.S. filing for, filing for uh, unemployment. Right? And some that I have talked to are afraid of getting the disease because they have health conditions that most likely will not fare well with this disease. And some of us are afraid of spreading the disease to those that we love. And some of us are afraid of the effects that our government's response to this is going to have on us in the future. All of us, even those who are upbeat, do not like what is going on in the world. It's scary. We are scared of losing our lives, our rights, getting sick, making others sick, losing our jobs, losing our incomes, our savings, everything that we've worked so hard for. We're scared. We are a lot like the disciples on that first Easter evening. But something happened on that first Easter evening. As they gathered in fear, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands, he showed them his side, 
And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Did you see that? Or did you notice what I noticed? Jesus came and stood among them and he spoke his word to them. It is the same word that we hear all throughout our divine services. It is the same word that we hear when Jesus makes himself physically present in work with and under the bread and the wine. The word that he spoke is peace. Peace. With his word and the showing of his scars. You know the showing of his scars is? It is the showing of his love, his passion. With the showing of his passion for them, the disciples' fear was replaced with gladness. Could they, should they, still be afraid of the people that could kill them? You want to know something? Nine of the ten that met that night with Jesus in that room would die at the hand of Jesus' enemies. Nine out of ten. But now death was but a portal to a reunion with their Lord. You saw in our first reading, they counted it now as joy to be suffering for Jesus. Could the disciples still worry about their future livelihood? That is their daily bread. Sure. Like I said, they, they lost their income. They lost their way of life. And if this hatred of Jesus keeps up, how in the world is anybody going to hire them? Yeah, they, for sure they had right to be fear, fearful of how they were going to provide for their families. But, right at that moment, you know who they were talking to? They were talking to the one who says, I am the bread of life. And they were reminded that this one said that man cannot live on bread alone, but man lives but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The disciples' situation didn't change. And yet the way that they looked at their situation completely changed. You see, with the resurrection, the disciples were raised up. For they were crucified and raised with Jesus in their baptism. They could now look at the things that caused them fear and see that those things had been placed under the feet of their risen Lord. All the things that you're afraid of lead to what? Death. But now that the risen, the crucified risen Lord is standing before them, death lost its sting. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It is gone. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Why did the Father send the Son? 
to take away sin. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus, in this statement, lets the disciples know what it's all about. He lets them know that all the suffering, the death that he endured, his passion was for this purpose. The forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. The promise that was first spoken in the Garden of Eden, where sin had brought death into the world, the promise that there would be one who would come and crush the serpent's head. It was fulfilled. And here stood the one who was born from the seed of the woman, alive, even though he had died. The forgiveness of sins. It was brought to those disciples and it has been carried out through the office of the ministry to this day. Jesus said that, uh, did you not realize that the Christ must suffer and on the third day rise and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed by his name to the ends of the world? That's what it's all about. Now many times when we read this gospel account of the resurrection, we focus on Thomas. Today we're not going to focus on Thomas as much, or his doubt that we all have. But, we're going to be focusing on the Lord. Now Thomas said that he would never believe unless he saw Jesus, unless he put his fingers into the marks of his hands, into his side. He said, unless I see that, I will never believe. Our gospel continues. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Notice that Jesus spoke the same word the second Sunday of Easter that he did the first Sunday of Easter. The message is always peace earned through the cross. And then Jesus speaks to Thomas directly and he says, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Do not disbelieve. Believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus always gives peace earned by his cross. The cross that gave him the nail-pierced hands. The cross that gave him, uh, the, from which he hung when he received the spear mark in his side. He always bears those marks for you and me. Those marks say, I love you. Those marks say that there is nothing that would keep me apart from you. 
nothing. Those marks show us that the things we are afraid of, Jesus has overcome. Those marks show us what it cost him to bring us the life-giving meal that he gives to us in the presence of our enemies. Those marks show us what it cost, uh, what it cost to have us washed in the blood of the Lamb. The disciples' circumstances didn't change. They still didn't know where their daily bread was coming from. They still didn't know who was an enemy, who was a friend, a foe. They still had threats against their life. But what they gained from seeing Jesus changed the way that they looked at all of those things. If I die... I'm with the Lord. If I live, I live for my neighbor. I'm set free to love as I have been loved. You see, now they faced all their adversities with the knowledge of the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. This knowledge changes everything even when nothing changes and we too have this knowledge through the word of God John writes Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and I listen to this part and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John recorded these things that you would have life in Jesus' name. Even when disaster is facing us in the form of a disease, the loss of a job, the loss of freedoms, the loss of, you know what you're losing. We are not afraid. For we know that the one who created us loved us enough to die for us. And we know that the one who died for us also rose from the dead on our behalf. And we know that he who rose from the dead lives to make intercession for you and I. And we know that because Jesus lives, we have those three things. We have the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. What can be taken away from us? We have everything through him who loves us. We have life in his name. Our circumstances may not change tomorrow. But we face our circumstances with the knowledge that our Lord is risen. And that changes everything. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.